Hi, my name is Kirby Ingalls, and you're listening to the True Success Podcast. My goal is to help you find true success by helping you live a rich and satisfying life, a life full of happiness and meaning, and becoming a pillar of your community. This podcast is designed to inspire you to write a new narrative, revolutionize the way we live, and create a ripple effect that resonates with future generations. Today I get to interview Chris K. Chris's booming voice will be heard before you see him roll around the corner to greet you with a huge smile and even bigger handshake. Like many influencers in the community, Chris wears numerous hats as the founder and executive director of I Am Able Foundation, founder of Core Fitness, adaptive athlete, public speaker, relentless advocate for the adaptive community. Shortly after graduating high school, Keg served his country in the United States Marine Corps for almost five years. He still remembers the words of his drill sergeant or drill instructor, don't quit on me, Keg, which would serve as a beacon of hope and reassurance in the upcoming years. At the age of 21, and in the prime of his military career, Keg was diagnosed with a rare degenerative condition affecting the myelin sheath of his nerve cells, and he was discharged from the Marine Corps. He began to walk with a cane, when then two canes, with new direction and a don't-quit-on-me attitude. Keg earned a business degree from Penn State Berks, and began using his military-style fitness regimen to train small and large groups. These training sessions and Keg's passion for improving the quality of life for those around him through physical fitness evolved into Core Fitness. Headquartered in Wyoming, Pennsylvania, meanwhile, his condition continued to worsen, and he soon transitioned to a wheelchair. Keg persisted with strength and resilience and began competing in races and raising funds for medical research, which gave way to the newfound pursuit to assist others, veterans, and individuals with disabilities. In 2007, he launched the I'm Able Foundation with the mission to remove obstacles that prevent people with disabilities from being physically active by providing grants, resources, fitness opportunities, and motivation. His motto was simply, get up and move. He has developed programs like I'm Fit, a free fitness class for all adaptive children and young adults to practice the fundamentals of exercise together in the support and motivational environment. Operation Lead from the Front, a mentorship program which matches adaptive athletes with veterans in a relationship fostered around physical fitness and fun in Rally Point, geared around his passion for the trails, which joins the adaptive and able-bodied community on various level bike rides through the Berks County Trails and beyond. I Am Able Foundation has also awarded hundreds of equipment grants to motivated and deserving individuals in the adaptive community. 
he has been able to accomplish great things with the support of his resilient and ever supportive wife and fellow trainer, Gretchen Cake. Their rambunctious and lovable son, Carter, is a testament to the Cake culture. Chris Cake is an inspiration to everyone, able-bodied and adaptive, that he encounters and he encourages them to celebrate the abilities they have rather than focus on those they don't. Chris his family, his team, and his community believe that an active lifestyle is achievable for all, regardless of their abilities. Improvise, adapt, and overcome. Chris says, only when we reach beyond our perceived limits and are forced to find strength deep within our souls can we truly understand who we are. Chris has been given numerous influencer recognition from the Central Chapter of Pennsylvania Sports Hall of Fame as a courageous athlete, honored by his alma mater when he was awarded the Penn State Alumni Achievement Award and bestowed upon prominent young alumni who demonstrate extraordinary professional accomplishments. He was the commencement speaker at Penn State Berks. He has received the American Red Cross Community Impact Hero Award and also the rising star in recognition of accomplishments and commitment to making greater reading a better place to live and work. Folks, I don't want to delay this any longer. I had a wonderful conversation with Chris, and he is a light and a beacon for the community, and he has this impact that goes beyond uh, our imagination. So without further delay, let's listen into the conversation with Chris. Hey everybody, this is Kirby Ingalls and I'm want to introduce uh, Chris Keg to the podcast. And uh, I've had the opportunity to talk to Chris before this, but uh, Chris has been referred to me by our very first podcast guest, uh, Chris or Ben Colloy, who is a really good friend of mine. And you may have uh, listened to that podcast earlier. And he was one of the two people that uh, were recommended to interview next on this podcast, the True Success Podcast. So welcome to the show, Chris. And please tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, thank you so much for uh, for having me on. It's, a, uh, it's an honor to uh, to be invited. Um, so just a uh, pretty normal uh, normal guy. You know, I, I'm about 30. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm 43 years old right now. Uh, I live in Wyoming, in Pennsylvania. Uh, I have a, a lot of great things going on with my uh, with my for profit and my nonprofit. That we'll probably discuss a little bit later on. Um, and I've been uh, dealt with a, a number of challenges uh, over my life. Uh, but you know, this is something that I think has made me the person who I am today. Um, so I'm sitting here, uh, you know, really, uh, appreciating the fact that I've, I've been able to, uh, to get to where I'm at with all the things that I've had to deal with. No, that's awesome. And I can't wait to dive into your story, Chris, because, uh, I mean, we've talked before and it seems like a very, very powerful story. And that's why we have you here on the true success podcast is because you've achieved something other than, uh, hitting the top of your industry. It's you've really created or, uh, had that uh, resonating impact that has rippled across, you know, your, your um, community. And so to begin with, just kind of tell me how, you know, you grew up, what that was like, you know, and, and that, that kind of environment and culture. Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty normal childhood. Uh, grew up in a middle-class family and uh, you know, just had a normal childhood. And then, uh, you know, uh, had a great, great family. 
my dad was divorced. I had you know, numerous uh, stepmoms and all that stuff. But I grew up around a very supporting and loving family. That's kind of interesting because I had a similar experience, except I was on the opposite end. So uh, I had a s- single mother, basically, and had several stepdads. So tell me what that was like, having several different parents involved in your lifetime. Uh, you know what? I think when you're, uh, when you're that age, I really don't think it, <laughs> it makes sense. Um, my, 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 my dad, uh, you know, he was, he was, he was a great guy and, you know, very, uh, very supportive of all the things we did. I mean, obviously this is back in the eighties and nineties. So parenting, I think was a little bit different than it is nowadays. Um, I think parents uh, were a little bit more hands off back then and they uh, sort of make you figure the hell out. <laughs> yeah. I remember you running around as a child, you know, my, my mother was so busy, uh, you know, working and taking care of the younger kids that I had the opportunity to kind of run around and explore the neighborhood. And it seemed like that was my world, you know, and I was exploring the world at the time. Uh, it was very interesting uh, time back then. And I, I agree with you in the eighties and nineties, it was pretty much a hands off uh, yeah. error. So being, being, being a dad now, I can't, I can't imagine my son, you know, being uh, on his own without me not, you know, knowing where he's at for, you know, eight, 10 hours a day. <laughs> Yeah, I know how that feels. I'm like an arm's reth- with, or arms length away from all my kids at all yep. times. So, so tell me what did you think that, you know, when you were a kid growing up, we all have these aspirations, you know, somebody wanted to be a hockey player, somebody wanted to be a pianist in a symphony orchestra, or somebody wanted to be an astronaut. What was your aspirations when you were growing up? I uh, wanted to be a U.S. Marine. Oh, that's awesome. And so that kind of leads us into what you actually did after you got out of high school. Yep. Yeah, my, uh, my, my grandfather, uh, my dad, my uncle uh, were all Marines. So, you know, it was pretty much uh, ingrained in me when I was a young kid. So probably about seven or eight years old is when I really started to, uh, you know, writing letters to the commandant and, you know, practicing drill and uh, singing cadence and stuff like that. So it was a, it was a pretty, pretty uh, you know, great environment to be uh, to grow up in. My dad didn't pressure me into doing anything, but he obviously was very proud of being green and, uh, you know, would just tell us stories. Um, so then when I graduated from high school back in 94, um, my fat 230-pound ass uh, went to Paris Island, South Carolina, and that's when the, uh, the start of the life change started. Yeah, it sounds like that was a pretty big challenge for you. And I mean, it, you know, uh, I've been in the Army for 23 years myself. Uh, if I see a guy that walks in the door that big, I automatically, my, my radar goes off. It's like, oh, gosh, here we go. Yeah. And uh, so what was challenging about that? Uh, <laughs> what was not challenging about that? Uh, <laughs> anybody knows anything about Marine Corps Boot Camp and Paris Island? It's a, uh, it's a pretty amazing place. Um, and I, I didn't, I was 17 years old. I did not take advantage of, you know, getting with the pool lead program or, you know, doing things to, to be able to prepare myself. I spent the summer before I went for boot camp, just hanging out with my friends and seeing everybody up to college and still being a fat ass and, uh, you know, not really, uh, doing the things that I should have been doing. So when I got down to Paris Island, I pretty much got my ass handed to me every single day for three months. Yeah. So tell me, how's that impacted you personally on a, on a different level? Um, you, you, I mean, the impact is, is, is profound. And you know what it was, it was one of those things where I didn't know the impact that it was having on me at the time. Cause I was seven years old. All I was trying to do was just make it through and, you know, survive every day. Um, but the life lessons that I learned, you know, once I started to have, you know, my issues and something like that, again, you know, talk about those things, but it's like, that's when it really started to hit me, how the Marine Corps 
uh, and Parasound, you know, in particular, really, uh, you know, define the way that I am going to conduct myself. Because mm-hmm. it, it just gave me the ability to see my challenges and figure it out and, uh, you know, keep moving on with no excuses. Yeah, you talked earlier about having this family history of, of military legacy. It's more like, you know, what I would consider for me, and I've had the same experience with, it's kind of like the family business. This is what you're going to do, you know, and you're going to continue this on. And whether you do four years or 30 years, it's up to you, but at least you're going to, you're going to participate. Um, what other reasons other than that were there that you wanted to join the Marine Corps and specifically the Marine Corps? You, you know, I mean, the, the Marine Corps specifically just because of my family, you know, my family history. And again, you know, my, my family did not pressure me. They were very, very, uh, you know, humble uh, guys. And, uh, you know, they would just tell me stories about their experiences. You know, some had my grandfather was in World War, World War II. My, my uncle was in Korea. And, uh, you know, my dad, he didn't, uh, you know, serve any, uh, uh, you know, wars. So it was one of those things. They just kind of, you know, gave me their experiences. And I don't know. I don't know why. It really uh, you know, hit me so much when I was that age. But I think it was just pretty much I looked up to my father and uh, you know, wanted to, uh, to emulate him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did they tell any, like, stories, you know, about their time in service? You know, so, I know some generations, they have a hard time with that. Uh, well, my grandfather, when he went to World War II, he rarely talked about that. And I really had to poke and prod him about that. My grandma would bring out his medals and mention something or two. But I never got the full story. I actually do the research on the Internet to find out the true story. Yeah, you know, it, it definitely was a, a different time frame back then. My, my grandfather got back from World War II. I mean, it's, it's a different generation. He came back and didn't tell anybody anything. You know, mm-hmm. got, got a job, you know, raised a family and did all that stuff. My uncle and my dad and uh, you know, my other uncle, they, they were asking for stories all the time. He never gave it to them. And then finally he wrote an uh, eight-page letter, you know, about his experiences and, uh, you know, some of the reasons why. You know, he doesn't talk about things as much as you know, some do. And I still have that. I still have that eight-page letter. And it's, uh, so it's a pretty, it's a pretty uh, remarkable um, story about, you know, obviously the challenges and the uh, things that he saw in war. And, uh, you know, the reason why he, wa- he wanted to get back and, you know, pick up his life and, you know, just move on. No, that's amazing. So tell me this. Um, so going into the Marine Corps as a big guy, um, and going through that experience and having read your bio, uh, what is it that you learned about yourself with this huge family legacy on your shoulders, right? And it was probably, I mean, you said it was a very, very supportive and, uh, legacy. So they encouraged you to do what you wanted to do. But, you know, doing that and, and following through with that kind of that family legacy, you know, in the condition that you're at, you know, what did that really teach you about yourself? Um, you know what? I, I learned a lot about myself. I mean, in three months' time, I went from 230 pounds to 180 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that three months, again, was you know, some of the toughest things I've ever done in my life. And it really taught me a lot about myself. And the biggest thing that I, I, I realized later on, it was I, I, I developed a uh, sense of teamwork. You know, I never dropped out of any run, no matter how much I died no matter how bad my shins hurt because I had shin splints that I never went to medical for and never told anybody about. Mm-hmm. Um, but you just, you just, you know, start to dedicate yourself to your friends and the, and the, and the, uh, the, the teammates that you have, because you know what, if you fail, if you quit on yourself, they're all going to have to suffer for you. And that was the, uh, the time that I started to think about them instead of myself. Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's, that's great. So let me ask you this. We've all had, 
huge influences in our life, relationships that have impacted us incredibly, um, incredibly big. Uh, that's the problem. <laughs> it's huge. Uh, and it's stuck with us for our entire lives. We've learned lessons from it. And, and sometimes it's just a phrase that somebody says to us. Is there anybody in your life that has impacted you in a way where it, it, it's just a micro moment of your life and it's just continued to resonate in your head, replay it over and over, and it's become like a theme? Absolutely. Uh, drill instructor, Sergeant Hart. Uh, he was my drill instructor. Uh, you know, I was a 17 year old kid. He was one of those recruiter poster Marines. Um, you know, just put together. He was a force recon Marine. So he was a, uh, he was, he was a tough guy. He was somebody who, uh, you know, I, I was, I was not scared of him, but I mean, I definitely respected him and I definitely, you know, saw him as that, you know, that authority figure. And, uh, you know, after I started having my problems, I really reached out to him because you know what, I, I feel like he changed my life. He really, uh, you know, one moment we had our last run before our, uh, or after our last PFT and uh, it was about a four mile run and I was in the front and we were doing cadence. And uh, finally he said, you know, after probably about a mile, we're done calling cadence, pick it up keg. And that's when we started freaking sprinting. So we started, we had 10 platoons. We started second to last out of 10 platoons. And he basically wanted to prove that he was more badass than everybody else. So he was going to try to smoke everybody. Um, and towards the end, it was like probably the last, uh, you know, half mile or a mile. And, you know, to be honest, I didn't know what the hell happened, but I just didn't really hit, you know, hit me until later on. We dropped probably about four or five guys out of my platoon. And, um, you know, while we were doing it, he just, he just yelled out, don't quit on me, Keg. I mean, those are five words that you never expect to hear a drill instructor say because they, you think they don't give a shit about you, but drill instructors actually do, you know, want to see you, you know, succeed. And I didn't stop. Uh, when I crossed that finish line, I freaking collapsed and, you know, it was one of those things where I didn't realize at the time what that moment, the impact that it had on me. And then, you know, when I started having my issues and things like that, really started to realize that was my, that was the day that I defined who I was. And Joel Instructor Sergeant Hart, who is now Colonel Hart, um, mm -hmm. still in the Marine Corps. Um, that's something that I, I, tell, I tell him all the time. It's like he really uh, redefined who I am. Yeah, so you mentioned, you know, you, you really found out who you were and you kind of redefined you who you were. So who do you tell yourself that you are every single day? So who is Chris? Um, you know what, that's, that's kind of a tough question. <laughs> uh, I, really, uh, really don't, I, I really don't think about myself that much. Um, I mean, I'm very proud of all the things that I've been able to accomplish and, and I can hopefully serve as an example for other people out there that are dealing with uh, different challenges or uh, they're unsure about what their future is going to hold despite the fact that they have a disability or they have something that comes up. Um, so I, I really feel that now I, I have a different mission. You know, I'm, I'm still a Marine and I'm, I'm proud to use that, you know, Marine Corps experience that I had um, to, you know, continue to, to prove to everybody that, you know what, the, the Marine Corps does it right. And, you know, we, we definitely uh, make sure that we uh, you know, continue that reputation. And I'm, I'm proud to say that I, that's exactly what I'm doing now. Yeah, I can certainly validate that. I have a brother-in-law who's in the Marine Corps. He served 18 years until he had a uh, medical discharge from the Marine Corps um, for, for different various reasons. We'll get into that. But uh, tell us about, you know, your, your transition from the Marine Corps and, and lead into kind of what you're doing today and how that's really impacted you. 
Yeah. So, you know, my, 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 my story is, uh, you know, not, not that exciting. Um, you know, I, I went in in 94. So this was obviously back you know, before, you know, all the things that you know, are, are going on now started to, to take, you know, take effect. Um, so I was 21 years old. I was overseas in Naviano, Italy back during uh, the support of Bosnia and went out for a run and just noticed that my feet started to drag and I felt weakness in my hip flexors and I really had no idea what was going on. Um, so went saw the doc. Doc said, uh, keep your boot bands loose. Um, you have some foot drop. And I knew at the time that that was BS. Um, so I waited six weeks and then I went back and saw an Air Force doc. Uh, and I said, that this problem is definitely not changing. It's, you know, it's still the same. So he sent me back to the States. I spent nine weeks at Walter Reed Hospital. Uh, I was getting spinal taps, getting blood taken every day, looked like a heroin addict. Um, and then I was diagnosed with a, uh, uh, a degenerative nerve disease called adrenal myelineuropathy. That was, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately a, uh, a thing that was passed on by my mom and that was triggered by a head injury I sustained while I was in. So I was right, right there when the doctor came up to me in the hallway of the, of the hospital and told me this, I really was relieved. I was relieved because I knew exactly what it was that I had. And I said, okay, let's move on. And that's something that when I tell people, you know, they, they, they always ask me if I was depressed, if I was pissed off. And to be honest, I was walking at the time. So my life was pretty much normal. I was a 21-year-old guy. The only thing I couldn't do was walk, or I'm sorry, run. But I could still walk around. I could still do a lot of things. So it didn't really hit me until, you know, five years later when I, you know, was put in a wheelchair. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I, can, I can imagine – having this huge family legacy, right. And being, you know, a very supportive family moving, you know, into Marine Corps and having, you know, getting through what you did going from 235 to 180 pounds. And all of a sudden they're like, you have to exit the Marine Corps because you have this going on. How did that affect you? Yeah, it, it was something that, um, you know, hit, hit me pretty hard. Um, you know, I, well, you were talking about my family. I mean, that, that's one of the reasons that I, I think that I have the attitude that I have now uh -huh. uh, because, you know, seeing my family and how much they support me, if I, had to, if I had to see my son come home when he's 21 years old and, you know, Marine and he had everything going for him and he would have problems and he was uh -huh. tripping over his feet and he was falling. And, you know, I wanted my family to not know or to know that it wasn't going to be something that was going to depress me or piss me off. So I, I, I took the uh, the approach that I was just going to deal with the things that I had to deal with and you know adjust accordingly I was going to improvise adapt overcome you know and not let my family have to suffer because you know what everybody who deals with challenges it's not only the person that deal with the challenge that has to suffer it's the people around them that have to yeah. suffer I mean you're a dad I'm a dad yeah. if I had something happen with my son that would kill me yeah. I mean just to see the struggles that he had to go through or the things that he had to suffer and I wanted to really take that away from my family. Yeah, you hit something on there pretty good. I mean, well, actually several points of view that are, are pretty important there. Uh, number one, being a very healthy, supportive father figure. Um, I didn't have that growing up, so uh, I don't know who my biological father is. So, And I, that's one of the things that's very important to me in helping people moving forward, you know, especially fatherless children, is having them, you know, have a healthy, supportive father figure, regardless if you're a failure or whatever. I mean, we all go through failure, so that's not a big deal. But having that healthy, supportive father figure there to kind of lift you up, you know, when you need it. And then also hold you accountable when you need to be held accountable is very important, I think. Uh, but the one thing I really do want to talk about is you said improvise, adapt, and overcome. Those are some uh, very important things that 
I think all military services teach their young recruits as they go through basic training. So what are some of the other things about the military that taught you that have stayed with you throughout your life? Um, you know, I, I think it's just the, uh, the, the camaraderie. Um, you know what? Uh, I just started this program um, teaming vets up with, you know, adaptive kids, you know, because I want to give the, the military another chance to be able to uh, have a mission and have a purpose. And that's something that I really feel that, you know, being, being a veteran, we are put in situations that are challenging, that are, you know, um, you know, sometimes very scary or, you know, things don't go well. But you know what? The military, we instill that, you know, move on and mm -hmm. figure it out. You know, improvise, adapt, overcome. My new brand <laughs> started. It's the IAO brand. Yeah. Um, it, it's, those are three simple words that I learned as a 17-year-old recruit, which didn't really make sense to me back then. Uh, but those three words are something that really, you know, is defined who I am. Because you know what? Every single day I have my challenges, but you know what? I got to pick myself up because there's a lot of people still depending on me. And I, I have to continue the mission. I have to get out mm -hmm. there and do the things that people are depending on me. So it makes me forget about the stuff that I have a problem with. Yeah, so there's two things you said there that I want to dive into. One is fear and the other one is the programs. And so you actually have two programs. Actually, uh, it looks like two foundations. Uh, I believe it's the Fitness Core or Core, core Fitness. Core Fitness, right. And then uh, you have the I Am Able. So you want to tell us a little bit about those two? Yeah, um, you know, when I, when I got out of the Marine Corps, because unfortunately my career was done, came back to Pennsylvania, went back to Penn State, uh, got my business degree. Uh, but really had no idea what the hell it is I wanted to do. Um, but then I you know, was big into, into fitness, so I decided to uh, start core fitness. Um, didn't get a chance to be a drill instructor. Uh, that never happened, so now I get a chance to wear civilians out. They pay me for it, which is yeah. freaking awesome. <laughs> so I started uh, core fitness back in 2004 out of the back of my truck. Wanted to give people that same uh, motivation and encouragement and uh, you know, that can-do attitude that the Marine Corps gave for me. And it's been going on for over 15 years now, uh, something I'm pretty proud of. And we have so many different people out here of all abilities that are redefining what they're able to do. And then in 2007, I started my IMAIL Foundation. Um, being at Kennedy Krieger down in Baltimore, which is where I would be seen for some of the uh, things I had to deal with with my condition, I saw a lot of kids. And these kids were in hospital beds, they were in, in you know, chairs, they were on breathing tubes, and that made a really big impact on me. Um, I, I, I had my challenges, but I was 21 years old. I had a chance to live you know, my life normal and be a Marine and do all the things that I wanted to do. These kids were never gonna have that opportunity. And I wanted to try to find a way to give these kids a quote unquote normal life. I wanted to get them out on a bike and you know, let them go ride with their friends. Because I mean, that's something, again, you're a dad, you know what that is. Your, your kids are riding their bikes, doing the things that normal kids do. I wanted to give that same thing to these, uh, you know, these kids that had some disabilities. So I realized that unfortunately being disabled is not cheap. Um, and there's a lot of parents who you know, have a lot of things they have to deal with. They don't have sometimes the resources to spend $1,900 for their five-year-old's you know, hand cycle to get him out and ride. So I started the, the foundation with, the, uh, with the, uh, the mission to get out there and provide adaptive equipment grants so we can give that uh, to people so we can take those obstacles out of their way and let them get out and be a kid. And seeing the smile on kids' faces and now, you know, smiles on everybody's faces, you know, it's one of those things that reminds me why I do the things that I do because it's, it's amazing what a simple thing of going out and riding a bike can do for somebody's life. Yeah, I, I can understand how important that is. I, uh, 
recently had an experience over the last couple of years. I work with uh, a court appointed special advocates, which is an organization commonly known as CASA. And uh, what they do is, is they, uh, you basically, you're a volunteer and you go in and you actually advocate. You are the voice of a child that's in some kind of foster care system. Um, you know, obviously the lawyers for the state, you know, argue for the child. And then you have a, a lawyer for the parents that are arguing for the child, but nobody actually says what the child wants in this position. And there's various reasons why the child's in this position. Um, and re I had a couple of kids that I worked with that uh, their mother had overdosed um, on opioids and they didn't know who their father was. So they were stuck with their grandparents and uh, they were just stuck in a system and they were having trouble. And there were programs like yours out there for them um, where they actually got to go out and learn how to fly fish and do all these things that the grandparents wouldn't have been able to do because they weren't physically able. So I know programs like yours are extremely important for our children because there's so many kids out there that just don't have these opportunities and people like you bring these things along because they see a need, uh, which is really just having a, a huge impact, not, not only on our nation, but the future of our country. And, and, and that in my mind, and it's, it's guys like you who, who been impacted that continue to impact later on down the road. So I just wanted to thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, you know, one of the things I'd like to ask you is, is because you mentioned earlier about fear and helping other people overcome fear. What's the one thing that scares you that you need to do? Uh, I, 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 well, I got a reputation to uphold. I don't really say that I'm uh, you know, fearful of anything. Um, no, I, I, I think that, there's so many things that I'm trying to do and, you know, things that I'm very uh, unsure about or, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the first one to admit things that I'm not strong at or things that I'm not uh, able to do. So I've surrounded myself with so many amazing people. And you know what, these, these people definitely, uh, you know, give me the ability to go out and do the things that I want to do. Um, so I, I, I really, well, I think, the, I think the only big fearful thing is the safety of my family. You know, my, my, my beautiful wife, my, you know, my six-year-old son. Um, those, those are things that I definitely, uh, you know, can say that I'm fearful. Right? I'm, I'm very cognizant of all the things that could possibly happen. You see the news, and that's unfortunate. Back in the 80s, we didn't see a whole lot of stuff. Now you yeah. see everything, and you know, definitely <laughs> a lot of fear in you because there's a lot of stupid shit going on out there. Yeah, the, we have so much more awareness about the things that are in our world now that uh, actually can have an effect on us. And, uh, you know, that I, I'm sure uh, the media is pretty good at put, instilling fear in the people. So uh, that's pretty interesting. So where do you think you're going to be at in 10 or 20 years? Uh, you know what? That's, uh, that's something that I really feel uh, I'm going to keep on doing the things that I'm doing. I mean, I'm 43 years old. I don't see myself retiring at 65. Um, I continue to see myself uh, doing the same things that I've been doing and just, you know, constantly expanding um, the opportunities that I'm trying to give so many people. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm starting this program, Operation Need for the Front, you know, teaming veterans up with the, uh, the adaptive kids. I have, you know, my, my uh, grant program that I use. I mean, there are just so many opportunities that we can, uh, you know, get out there and change people's lives and redefine what's possible. And that's something that I, I, I just get so excited about. I mean, yeah. You talk to anybody, um, they tell me to shut the hell up sometimes because I'm all over the place and, you know, I just get so just jacked up about the things that, you know, we can do. So 20 years, I'm, I'm hoping that we're in a uh, bigger, better place and, uh, you know, able to help people all over the country. That, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, so we all have this definition of success in our lives. Everyone has, you know, it's, it, it's kind of interesting because, 
it, the definite, you know, when you see success in the dictionary and then everybody else kind of defines it their own way, but I like to talk about true success and the way I define true success is you just don't get to the top of your industry, but you create something more than that. You know, it's not about the trophies. It's not about the titles. It's not about some diploma that you get. Success is more than that. How do you define true success? I, I think I, I, I define it the same way you just, you just said. Mm-hmm. For me, I am so proud of the stories that I get from people of how, you know, I've impacted them or how I've, you know, been able to help their kid who has a disability, you know, get out there and do some amazing things. You know, those are the kind of things that I feel like I've, I've been successful um, it's, it's not, for me, it's not about the, uh, the Bentley that I don't have or the big house that I don't have. You know, for me, it's just about the, uh, the amount of people that I've been able to touch and that, that I've been able to know. And that's, that's something I, when I go out and speak all the time, you know, I, I really don't think that I'd be doing the things that I'm doing now if I wasn't sitting in this chair. You know, this is a, a challenge that I was presented, um, but you know what, it, it really has adjusted my entire life. I don't think I'd be doing the things. I wouldn't be sitting in this 13,000 square foot building, you know, with hundreds and thousands of people that, you know, utilize, uh, you know, my services and things that we do um, if, I ne- if I never had this challenge. So I think sometimes challenges define who you are. It could go great, but it also could go bad. And fortunately for me, I was blessed uh, to have the right mindset that it's going very well for you. Awesome. Awesome. So there's this idea that, uh, that Mother Teresa put out there, and there's a bunch of other people who have also said it as well. The one that sticks out in my mind most is Mother Teresa, but she said, I could cast a stone in the water and create several ripple effects. And I'm not trying to create several ripple effects, but I just want to know if what's your stone that's going to land in the water that's going to create that ripple effect that just doesn't just resonate with the people around you right now, but it's going to resonate with generations of people. What's that one stone going to be? That's a tough one. I'm not very good at just sticking with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I really just think that the, uh, um, just the way that I, that I embrace everybody. I mean, seriously, mm-hmm. you know, we had 45 kids that came out last night for our IM Fit class. was mm-hmm. on this session. And I swear to God, I must have had 15 hugs. I mean, these kids mm-hmm. come in and, you know, just I, I give everybody a hug because you know what I just I love the fact that we've given them the opportunity to come out here and you know have something that's going to give them that sense of normalcy. Um, so I, I really I really think that just the, the things that I've done to be able to get out there and show people that yeah you see a guy in a chair uh, mm-hmm. you see a guy who you know people say they're scared of me well you know what I'm going to get out there and show you that you know I'm able to you know be as passionate and proud of all the people that I you know I'm able to help out. I think it's uh, pretty rewarding for everybody. Yeah, I can see how that's rewarding. I mean, even, you know, when people have touched my life like that, it, it's amazing. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, it just touches you in a, in a place that uh, very few people have gone. And I'm sure that you've done that to a lot of kids and they're going to remember you for, for a very, very, very long time. Um, especially, you know, the way that your family has impacted you and your military service and, the, and how, those events have impacted you for the rest of your life. You know, everything that you've gone through that, um, I can't remember the sergeant's name that you, you mentioned. Sergeant but, Hart. Yeah. Sergeant Hart who became eventually Colonel Hart. Right. Yes. He's so cool. that says a lot. He went from, he went from being a sergeant to a Colonel of the Marine Corps. So he did that shift and transition himself. And so he's probably impacted hundreds of 
thousands of people. I mean, Absolutely. leading, you know, probably brigades. I, I guess they call them brigades in the Marine Corps, right? Uh, negative. No, what do they call them? Regiments? <laughs> what do they call them? Platoons, battalions, you know. Yeah. Companies. Okay, yeah, battalions. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure he's impacted hundreds of thousands of people already. So, yeah. um, not only you. And you you transpired out of that, and you're, I mean, creating that same impact. So, it continues to ripple and resonate. So tell me, um, if there's anything else that you would like to leave us that we haven't heard already or I haven't asked you that you would like to send out there uh, to try and help impact other people's lives now. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I mean, I'd love for, uh, for anybody to check out, you know, my I'm Able Foundation with the letter I, the letter M, ablefoundation.org. Um, and again, if there's any veterans out there, uh, we have this new uh, program called Operation Leave from the Front. If you're around the Pennsylvania area for right now, because we're going to eventually take this uh, across the country, and I think that there's you know thousands of veterans out there that could you know benefit from this program, as well as the adaptive population that are in different communities. Um, so if anybody's out there in Pennsylvania, come out and visit us, and I would love to uh, show you what we got for you. And then my uh, my uh, um, for-profit Core Fitness, it's a C O R P S like Marine Corps Fitness.net. Um, and again, this is a, uh, a gym, but we provide opportunities for everybody. doesn't matter if you have no legs, no hands, you're paralyzed, you have uh, a neurological disorder, you're going to come in here and you're going to work out with everybody else. Um, because, you know, I, I adapt everybody's workouts and I get so excited to be able to include everybody in this place to make sure that everybody gets something out of it. That's awesome, Chris. Thanks for sharing that. And do you have a particular website or Facebook page or something where we can all connect with you with? Uh, well, my name is Chris Kang, C-H-R-I-S-K-A-A-G. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, um, you know, and then uh, both my companies, I'm Able and Core Fitness, are on both those uh, platforms as well. All right. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all that information and sharing your story with us. And uh, I know that you will be that stone that hits the water and creates a ripple effect that um, resonates with so many children and so many other people across the nation. So thank you very much for everything that you do. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Chris. Hey folks, before you take off, I want to leave you with a little reward for listening to today's show. Head on over to KirbyEngles.com forward slash the dash true dash purpose dash guidebook. And you'll find the True Purpose Guidebook, which is a 24-day conversation that helps you create a more intentional direction towards a life of happiness and fulfillment. I'll tell you what, finding purpose and meaning can't get any easier with this short resource guide that I created just for you. So head on over to KirbyEngles.com forward slash the dash true dash purpose dash guidebook and I'll drop a link in the show description for you as well. Talk to you tomorrow.